Did you know that nearly nine out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. Welcome to The Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Steve Murray, founder of Real Trends Consulting and a senior advisor to Housing Wire, offers insight and analysis on three trending real estate issues. Steve's 30 plus years in the industry allows him to give you a deeper understanding of today's real estate business happenings. Hi, this is Steve Murray, senior advisor to Real Trends. Today, I'd like to cover earnings for the publicly held national real estate companies from 2020. The impact on the housing market, not just from mortgage forbearance, but what we see as a looming issue with foreclosures on investor-owned single-family residential. And lastly, this inventory problem that we're dealing with. So the earnings wrap-up If you look at the companies like Keller Williams, they're not publicly held, but they do release their results. You've got Redfin, Rilogy, Remax, Zillow, and EXP. So how did these guys all do? Well, in terms of Redfin, for example, their closed transactions and their gross revenue from brokerage were both up at faster rates than the national rates were. For example, the residential transaction sides were up around 6% in 2020 over 2019. Redfin closed transactions was up almost double that rate. Their revenues were up 25% from brokerage compared to a growth of about 12.8% in residential gross commission revenues for the whole industry. So one could say Redfin had a very solid, respectable year. One does question, given their market valuation and the expectations for Redfin, that perhaps those numbers should be stronger and might be in the future but nonetheless a very solid year. Rilogy units were up modestly, around 3% over the prior year. The good news at Rilogy is their free cash flow from their businesses were up several hundred percent, I think 145% to be accurate. Even though their units were up only modestly, they actually performed extremely well on the bottom line. Remax had a flat year in agent growth in North America, in the U.S. and Canada, but had very strong growth, over 15% in agent counts worldwide. But Remax also had a dip in both revenues and earnings for the year. It'll be interesting to see, therefore, what 2021 holds for Remax. For Zillow, they obviously had a very, very strong year, Their EBITDA, which in 2019 was around $38 million, 
In 2020, it jumped to well over 380 million in EBITDA. So Zillow is performing very strongly. Now, part of Zillow's numbers certainly were some cost uh, restrictions because their IMT segment, one of their main segments, was only up about 14.5%. Now, for most companies, a 14.5% growth, that would be outstanding. But Zillow has set all kinds of records for how rapidly they're growing. So we'll have to wait and see. Keller Williams turned in a very strong year with their closed transactions up nearly 8%. So Keller beat the market as a whole, both in their closed transactions and in their closed sales volume. They also had significant growth uh, overseas outside of the U.S. and Canada. While we don't have any final numbers from EXP at this time because their release is not until next week, the preview of what they did seems to indicate very strong growth numbers both in closed transactions and volume as well as in their financial results. So overall, it's kind of a mixed bag, if you will. Some people had great years. Some people had decent years. Others are, I'm sure, going back to work to decide how do we accelerate growth in these times? Because outside of EXP, which had, we think, some extraordinary growth, and Keller Williams, who beat the market, most of the firms were either at the market or only slightly above. We'll see what happens in 2021. Second topic, everyone has been focused on mortgage forbearance. According to Black Knight, a month ago, there were approximately 2.7 million homes or mortgages in forbearance. We recently read a whole research report, however, focusing on a different issue which is the millions and millions of single-family investment properties owned by private Americans. Now, why do we bring this up as a problem? It's this. We have rental moratoriums throughout the country. These are impacting a lot of, if you will, mom-and-pop private investments in single-family residential. Most people estimate there could be between 8 and 12 million single-family homes owned by private individuals, like anyone listening to this, who may own one or two or three. And many of these people, they have mortgages on those properties. It is unknown how many of them have filed for forbearance on their own mortgages, and it's not precisely known how many of them specifically have been impacted by rental moratoriums, but they're in the millions, according to most reports we've read. So on top of 2.7 million mortgages directly in forbearance, we may have millions of homes owned by investors who are now seeing no income from their rental tenants for the last 12 months. And those rental, if you will, rental moratoriums have been extended again 
in legislation and directives, both from the federal government, state governments, and the CDC. It is unknown what the impact is going to be on these investor-owned single-family residential, but we could see hundreds of thousands, if not millions of these properties also come to the market if the rental moratoriums continue. Something to keep your eyes on. And here's a thought. You can get access to databases to find out which homes are owned by investors. Might be a good time for top agents, teams, and or brokerage companies to take a look at finding out how many homes in your markets are investor-owned and you might want to do a reach out to them. Which brings us to the last topic, which is what do we do about scarce inventory? Now, according to the National Association of Realtors, a month ago we were at just over a million properties on the market. The kidding joke is we have 1.45 million realtors chasing 1 million listings. Listings are critical. Inventory is at critical low levels. What are people doing? We're not sure all the tactics agents and brokers can use. We just addressed one, which has to do with the investor-owned single-family market, which for some has got to be under stress right now. What we have heard, however, is that in the first two months of the year, from a couple dozen brokers that we've talked with, their pending sales in January and February were still up very strong. Let me repeat that. From a couple dozen leading brokers, all different regions, all different brands and models, they indicated that their pending contracts were up strongly in January and February over last January and February. So it begs the question, if inventory is this critical, where are people finding the inventory? Well, for many of these people, it turns out, these properties that are being sold are not, in fact, hitting the MLS. They are getting bought up before they ever hit the MLS. Now, we know the existing inventory numbers that NAR reports comes from MLSs. But if they're not hitting the MLS, then that number may not be accurately representing how many homes are actually coming on the market. We don't have a way to quantify it. Just the fact that a couple dozen brokers from around the country in different markets are saying our business is up, and a lot of it is because their agents are finding buyers for homes before it ever hits the MLS. It's kind of an interesting fact for us to deal with. Agents are uncovering inventory and buyers are finding that inventory before it hits the MLS. And that could be skewing the inventory reporting numbers. Doesn't mean we don't believe those numbers. We actually do very much believe those numbers that inventory is extremely scarce. One other tactic that we're hearing about is people are accessing financial service companies like NOC, who can help with bridge loans 
to encourage sellers to sell because they can immediately secure a home they want so they don't have to worry about that if I buy that, if I put my home on the market, that I won't be able to find what I need to buy. Knock and others like them are helping people find the home they want to buy first, securing it for them, regardless of whether they've sold their current home, and reducing the friction for particularly move-up home buyers who are caught in that circumstance. And Knock is the leader, the one we know of best, but we are hearing of other mortgage and financial companies entering the market to offer the same kind of services. Which brings us to kind of a special report. Everyone in the business world can read that there's very inexpensive money and lots of very inexpensive money. We saw a report in the Wall Street Journal last week that national governments borrowed $18 trillion last year and pumped that into their economies. We don't even want to speculate what the total amount of this kind of stimulus has been over the last five years, but obviously it's enormous. And you've also heard all the reports that inflation is still tame, that inflation is below 2%, and that the Fed and the U.S. Treasury seem unconcerned with it right now. But two reports caught our attention. First, we all know that housing prices are going up anywhere from 6 to 12% and have been for the last six to eight months. We also read a report that inflation in both new and used car prices has accelerated to that same rate, 6 to 10% year-over-year increases in both new and used car prices. We also caught the news that soybean, corn, and other grain crops prices are up 20 to 40% over last year. So here's the question. Really? Mr. Powell, there's no inflation with housing going up 6 to 12% and car prices going up 6 to 10% and basic grain prices up 20 to 40% is not pouring trillions more into this economy going to cause a problem with inflation. For us old timers who have been around 40 plus years, we remember times a long time ago when this kind of excess money supply was dumped in the market, inflation ultimately reared its head. This has been Steve Murray for Real Trends. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. To stay up to date on the current trends in the industry, subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more.